and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and today we are continuing our journey through the new Ken Hensley box set. We are on disc two of the Past and Present Songs in Time 1972 to 2021 box set uh, being released by Cherry Red Records. Awesome stuff so far. We are on CD number two. This one is called A Glimpse of Glory. In the liner notes I have, talk about the fact that uh, from 1990, explores Ken's songwriting depth and the examination of faith, uh, best demonstrated in a couple of the songs that we're going to get into. Uh, Ken said that most of the time I consider myself a storyteller and the tempo, rhythm, and production should combine to accompany the lyrical message. When I interviewed Ken... He and I talk about that. He never thinks of a song in terms of music first, which I find very interesting for someone who is such an amazing composer. He always writes the lyrics first and then comes up with the music. So uh, certainly understandable why we don't get instrumentals from him. But also I find it interesting as a songwriter myself, I tend to combine things. A lot of times when I'm writing lyrics, they'll have a flow to them. And that's how I, uh, you know, develop the song. If I write lyrics first, if I'm writing music first, I could put lyrics to them after the fact. But he was very, very um, set in his ways that way, which I thought was very interesting. So let's get into the first song. This one's called It's Up to You. This is an interesting one. Really long song, six minutes and 21 seconds. Um, It sounds like that lead is on a synth and not a guitar. It could be a guitar with maybe a, a, you know, just a a different patch on it, but, um, you know, like an effect. But boy, that really does sound more like a synth to me, which is an interesting choice because I think that would be a, a great riff for guitar. But uh, the song definitely sounds really full and rich, and I like that. There's a really long intro that I just chopped down um, to the very end of it so you could get a taste of it. Uh, but it's over a minute long, and that would have been you know the only thing I played. So I wanted to give you a little taste of the song as well. The intro actually reminds me a lot of a, a game called Interstellar, which was a video game that was out in the 80s, one of the uh, Vector games. But it was a uh, it was one of the first Laserdisc games, and it had a really cool soundtrack to it. And that uh, opening to the song reminded me of that. Also, um, a song called The Dark by Black Sabbath from the Born Again album. Uh, if this was in the 90s, Born Again would have come out first. Doesn't necessarily mean Ken heard that or was familiar with that album at all. May not have been. Um, but yeah, this this definitely has that like late 80s, early 90s production sound to it. Um, There's a nice electric piano that comes in, which was very uh, common for songs like this at the time. And uh, of course, his voice sounds great. There's there's a lot of repetition, though. I feel like this song could have been um, maybe four minutes, I think. 
but uh, but the passages are enjoyable. It doesn't really feel like a, a six and a half minute song. It um, but it but it does like as I'm going through it, it does kind of repeat quite a bit and has like I said, like that whole intro is over a minute, so that would take you down to like five and a half minutes. But um, but definitely a good song, really energetic, um, great way to start off the CD. The next song that we're going to is called Moving In. I like this song, but I have to say I'm not a fan of the mix at all. I think the the keyboards are just a little too loud and drowning out the vocals a little bit. And since Ken's whole point is the story, um, the the voice should really be the most upfront of all the instruments. And then when the solo section comes in to cover where the voice is going to take a break, then that should be around that same volume. Um, But the organ is, is very, very strong. And I said this on a few songs over the years, I, I think doing the Magicians podcast is sometimes that organ just was just a little bit overbearing in the mix. Um, the performance is a different thing. The performance is fantastic. I love the writing. I love the ideas behind it. Um, but that production just doesn't quite get there for me. Um, there is a spot that, that we heard as it faded out going into that pre-chorus where um, the organ, uh, the the chords on the organ are moving so fast that the vocals almost seem out of tune uh, they're not. I listened to it a couple of times. I don't think they are, but man, it just it it just was kind of a weird um, passage and, and maybe intended. I don't know. But um, that was a little bit awkward for me. But it's definitely a great song. It has great energy. I, I really like the feel of it. There's a really nice guitar solo that plays it out into fade, but um, definitely worth listening to. Um, so far, we've we've done the opposite of what we did on disc one, where the first few songs were pretty mellow. These are, you know, pretty good rockers coming right out of the gate. Which brings us to song number three already, and this song is called One Tender Moment.
So this song is uh, is an interesting one. That that electric piano really sounds kind of like a Law and Order SVU's opening, uh, if I'm thinking of the right show. And um, but I love the feel of it. It's definitely something that around this era, uh, electric piano was very common. And uh, there's a really nice section. I mean, this this song is very calm and and emotional. Here, Ken does a great job with the emotional delivery in the in the lyrics. But it does kick up, uh, you know, the drums come in and there's really nice uh, female backing vocals that I think work beautifully with Ken's voice. There's some really nice guitar playing in the song. What I've noticed, though, so far on this album is it feels like the drums are really like right on the edge of clipping that red line and almost distorting. And that's, you know, especially as a drummer, let alone as an audio engineer, that's a little bit harsh for my ears. And that might be part of why I don't like the production on this one as much as I did the songs we heard on the last CD. But overall, you know, the musicianship is there and this song kind of goes up and down. So, it, you know, the the harder edge stuff comes in with the drum kit and the distorted guitar and then it kind of drops back to this beautiful, gentle organ playing all the way through it. You know, not that um, heavy distorted organ that we're used to from Ken through the whole thing. It's got just that real supportive, mellow organ sound that works so well with the electric piano. And uh, and certainly a, a great, uh, like I said, a great vocal delivery. I really feel some good emotion in this one. I did look this album up, and according to Discogs, this album came out in 1990, but it was listed as Ken Hensley Invisible Faith. Now, I met Ken for the first time when he was Invisible Faith. In fact, he was, uh, it was very kind, and he asked for my address, and he sent me a um, a, uh, a picture of him with the band that he autographed for me, which, uh, which was nice. I hadn't asked for that. He did that on his own. And, um, so they were a Christian based rock band. So that kind of goes into, uh, what the liner notes were talking about with a couple of the songs that we're going to get to. They're actually the last two songs on the CD. So I don't know, you know, necessarily subject matter wise, is this a love that he's talking about of a person, um, love of God or Jesus or, you know, where his lyrics are actually headed? Because I think they're open-ended enough from what we've heard so far to uh, say it could be about anything and it could be completely metaphorical. That's one of the, the beautiful things I love about art. Even if you sing a song straightforward and it sounds like a man professing his love for this woman, it could be anything. It could be his love of food or dessert or, uh, you know, love or love of food or dessert. That's the same thing. Um, but it, it could be anything. It could be love of working on cars or love of building houses or selling something. I mean, it really could be anything. And, uh, and I just love that versatility as a writer myself. I find it doesn't necessarily matter if the person that's listening gets the exact message that was in my head, as long as it makes them feel something in the general direction of what the song is about, uh, love. And that might be all that matters. The vehicle for that love, be it a person or a, a hobby or whatever it is, may not be as important as just the person connecting with that general emotion. So that differs from songwriter to songwriter. Um, it would have been interesting to know from Ken how he felt about that. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, unless we uncover that somewhere in an interview or something, we probably won't know. And, and those opinions change. You know, sometimes you write a song that like, no, people need to understand what my passion was on the song. And with other songs, that may not be the case. So um, very interesting stuff, but, but a good song. So that was uh, one tender moment. I really liked that one. Um, the next one is called Guard Your Heart. Boy, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
first I thought I was losing my mind and I may be, that's perfectly possible. But in this case, uh, I did a little digging and that is not Ken Hensley on vocals. It was another member of Visible Faith. I do not know the name of the singer, uh, but it was definitely not Ken. I thought, boy, his, he really changed his voice for this song. Um, but he he doesn't sound like that. So uh, the singer does, however, remind me of somebody else. And I just can't think of who it is. Might be a completely different guy altogether, but um, his voice really works for the song. Um, I, I could see why he was the one that sang it. Um, I love the recording of the acoustic guitar. It's just crystal clear and, and uh, you know, uh, got a great EQ on it, really nice and crisp. The organ is layered in there perfectly, um, really fills in the sound, but it's not encroaching on the vocals. Uh, a very beautifully mixed song. Of course, when you only have a couple tracks, it's a lot easier to mix a song um, than when you have a lot of tracks. So um, beautiful performance. Um, I think the vocals were a little bit bland as far as the emotion goes. I, I feel it there, but I, I think it could have been, you know, like another couple steps into the, the heart of the singer. Um, and it just it just kind of really didn't go anywhere for me. Um, it's, it's nice. It, it's pretty. But it would be, have to be like one of those songs that would just be on and I would just kind of like float away and just have it on in the background and not something I could really focus on or want to sing along with or anything and not because of the, uh, the slow tempo or anything, but just because, um, there's just not much there for me. Uh, I like the idea of it though. And, and I think the recording is really, really good. So that brings us to song number five, which is called shaky ground. S H A K E Y ground. Isn't it S H A K Y? Kind of haven't had to spell that word in forever. Okay, I have thoughts and I hope I remember them all. Um, but first, I, you know, I don't know. I'm in a, a weird research mode today, which I'm not normally in ever. But I looked up shaky to make sure that I had the spelling right. And it is S-H-A-K-Y, the, uh, you know, the uh, feeling or, or motion of shaking. Uh, shaky with an E, I looked that up and I get Shaky's Pizza, which I'm pretty sure the song is not about. Um, but it might be a British thing. I don't know. In any case, uh, so this song, musically, it's it's pretty good. Again, it feels like it's a, a really long song. It's only four minutes and 39 seconds. I feel it could have been cut down by maybe 45 seconds to a minute. It just, again, it is kind of um, bland and repetitive, you know? I don't like typically that sound with a, like a gospel choir in a in a rock song or a pop song, unless it it really kind of makes sense. And for this one, the choral section really has that gospel church choir sound to it, which I I don't particularly care for on this song. Um, 
what what really uh oh and the guitar solo is good but again it's kind of long and it sounds like he stole the sound uh from mick box's guitar on tears in my eyes um just really has that same sound to it so that's kind of interesting um i mean not an uncommon you know distortion sound but it's very specifically sounds like that song to me um but in any case i think it's um i think it's really interesting that the the singer reminds me very much of John Sloman, who had a, a, a short stay in Uriah Heep. Um, I believe that was one of the reasons that Ken left the band. He didn't like Sloman singing. I wasn't a huge fan of, of his vocals. I thought he had some stuff he did very well. But it's it's almost like, um, you know, it, when you have a, a an actor, and you see this sometimes in theater where they kind of overact. And I kind of feel like these inflections in vocal, it's like I have to emphasize everything to get my point across. And I've, I've never really cared for that style of vocals. It works here and there in pieces. And then he'll just come up with this random, like, um, you know, digging deep one note thing where he's sounds a lot like Glenn Hughes, um, just like, and, and then he goes back into his other voice and it's just really disconnected and out of place. So I don't know. It, it, um, didn't really work for me that much. Uh, I, I don't care for the singer. And, and if you don't like the singer or the sound of the singer, sometimes it's really hard to enjoy the song. I do think it had some good musical points, but again, very repetitive. Um, it's interesting, the difference in his writing with this particular band. And I don't know how much of the songs Ken wrote or he had ideas or other people had ideas and they worked on them as a band. I, I have no idea how these songs were put together, but it doesn't, it doesn't have that feeling that we've come to know from Kent, which I find quite interesting. Um, decent ideas. I think, I think it could have been developed into a different song, different singer, different backing vocals could have really been something pretty spectacular, but even it, you know, it's a mid tempo rocker. So it's, it's going to have a certain amount of limitation without some, you know, major changes in the song, whether it be uh, key changes, putting in a different part, doing something uh, more interesting with it, changing a tempo here or there, um, putting a swing beat in somewhere, you know, just something that that breaks up the monotony of the, this like almost machine pulse of the song. Um, but it had some potential, I'll say. We'll see how the next song goes. This one's called Think Twice. And I'll be thinking twice about my critique. He could have had most anything. He could have had it all. Put his hands on life and love let him go and watched him fall but the spotlight never shone upon his heart you got to know him on the stage where you watched him Like him, the world was at your feet Seemed it never had to end You claim you gave him everything But you forgot to be his friend When you get so trapped inside it all I wonder if you Is it me or does Ken's voice sound exceptionally deep on this as opposed to kind of where we normally hear him? Uh, I like it, though. I think it sounds really good. Uh, I like the emotion on this one. But boy, you know, when you when you realize that this is a Christian band's album, 
the electric pianos, the sound of this song, that really long uh, electric piano intro that I cut out, um, which is quite lengthy. Again, another song in the album with a lengthy, a lengthy electric piano intro. Um, it really kind of makes sense because this is the kind of music that you would expect to hear at a church service. If if you have a band that, you know, maybe they play um, like right after or right before the the preacher talks and or maybe to give him a break in between, they'll play a song, something like that. I don't know. Um, but this is definitely that kind of music that you would expect to hear. And an electric piano is definitely a very common instrument. I don't like the guitar sound on this song. It really sounds like a keyboard guitar. And I can't imagine that would be the case because if they didn't have a guitarist or needed, or maybe he wasn't available for the song, um, Ken certainly would have stepped in and played guitar. So um, I find the guitar tone very interesting. It really sounds like a, like a Roland or a Korg uh, guitar patch, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, I like the choir better on this one. They're more Oz than they were, uh, you know, that big gospel choir on, on the other song. But uh, again, it's like too much of it. Like this, this song really could have been cut down. Um, this one was five minutes and 14 seconds. Again, could have been like three, three and a half, probably. You definitely realize by the lyrics on this one that this is a religious album. If you hadn't gotten that before, because I think up until now, it was a little bit more metaphorical. Um, not a bad song, but I really think so far this whole album could have used a better producer. Um just my opinion, but it, it just seems like these songs are very repetitive. They're not, um, they don't have interesting changes and then they just kind of go on and repeat a couple of parts a lot. And, um, even with this one, like the backing vocals go on and on and on for a long time without any kind of change that I noticed. And I'm just like, yeah, this needs some, some kind of excitement. And when you think of the kind of songs that Ken was doing with Uriah Heep or some of his other solo stuff, they're, they've got changes. They're way more interesting than this. So maybe it was just their interpretation of what this style of music should be, where it wasn't really meant to be as musical and it really was meant to be more about the lyrics and the emotion than just having great songs on top of that. Um, I don't know, but it certainly is different from all the stuff that we've heard or, or that I am familiar with from Ken so far. And I don't know his solo catalog quite as well as, as I do the Heap catalog, of course, uh, more just a handful of songs than anything else. But I, yeah, I do find this really interesting. It's, um, it, it's not what I would have expected. And I remember I had heard some visible faith when I first met Ken, cause I wanted to see what he was up to. And I remember I not being a huge fan of it aside from just, you know, the religious aspect of it and, and just trying to take the music for what it was. And I think that might be why I think it might be that, that, style of music was considered that it needed to be more straightforward, more about the message, not about a lot of musical dynamics. Let's write some good supportive music instead of some good music with a good story. So um, that's kind of what I'm getting out of this album. Again, just the, just what I'm getting. The next song, uh, now that we're actually, we've, we've covered half the songs. Now this song is called Get a Line. Thought it was going to be Get a Life after my review.
Get up. I played a little bit longer of a clip on this one because I, I wanted you guys to understand. I'm really not making up what I said about these long intros. They really are ridiculously long for the song. Um, this one didn't quite make sense to me uh, because the way that the song comes in is so abrupt. Um, I really think they could have just started there. There's some nice music in here, though. I mean, it's a little more country. It's got the the steel guitar, um, the rim shot in place of the snare at some points. It definitely has that country feel, but yet it has that gospel choir sound again. Um, definitely feels very churchy, this song, um, especially the chorus. But it's, you know, musically, it's a nice song. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, when it comes to, to the message, I'm not a very religious person, so I can't really appreciate necessarily the message. But um, it, it had, and here I go contradicting myself, this had almost weird abrupt changes. Like I, I was complaining before that the songs were too straightforward and this has changes in it, but they're almost like awkward, you know? Um, again, I, I don't know what was going on with the producer on this one or what their vision was, but um, for me in this moment, it's it's not working so well. And it's sad to say that because, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ken's. Uh, I love a lot of his music, but I think this goes back to why I wasn't a big fan of Visible Faith in the first place. Um, the music just isn't, it, I'm just not connecting with it. It, it feels very, um, they're trying to pigeonhole it into a certain category of, of how it should work. And um, for me, that's just not one that I would identify with. Um, the, the production on this one is really nice. So I think the mix is fantastic. The blend of the choir with the vocals, I think is really point. It's really on point. Um, musically, it, it sounds very, very good. And production wise, it sounds very good. It's just got some weird changes. And, um, again, just that, that gospel choir thing I have such a hard time with because it's just not a sound that I'm really into, but I don't want to discourage you guys from enjoying it. Um, you know, that's the uh, another beautiful thing, as I've said many times on the show about art, is that um, everybody's going to feel the way they feel about it. And nobody's right or wrong for someone else. I can only be right for me. This is how I feel or how it makes me feel in this moment. If I heard this album uh, a month from now, who knows? Maybe I'll like it better. I don't know. I'm sure I'll give it another whirl at some point because that's what I typically do. But we'll see. In the meantime... We're moving on. Our next song is called Believe in Me. Objection, Your Honor. Leading. Carry me on your wings, Lord. Carry me on your wings of love. Carry me on your wings, Lord. Carry me from here to there. Carry me on your wings, Lord. Carry me on your wings of peace. Carry me on your wings, Lord. Carry me from here to there Carry me on your wings, Lord Carry me on your wings of freedom Carry me on your wings, Lord Carry me from here to there
So I'm going to start with the positives first. Um, there's some really good changes in this song. Um, I think that it's a very powerful song musically. Fantastic. I really dig it. Um, does have a little bit of the gospel choir in it, which, you know, I'm not a fan of, but it actually works in this song for me. I don't mind it as much. Where this one is is weird is that, you know, 43 second intro that is completely disconnected from the rest of the song. It doesn't return to that part. Um, it has a completely different feel, the deeper voices. Like I like the layering of the deeper voices, but that should have led into a song that that related to. Um, everything after that was a completely different song. And unless I just completely missed it, which I suppose is possible, um, didn't hear anything that related to the first 43 seconds of the song. So that was very disconnected, very weird. I kind of feel that is, is a pattern on this album, though, because some of those longer intros really do seem to be disconnected from the rest of the song. And it's a shame because I think that there's a potential in that. Like, I really like the build. I love the the voice layering on it, but it has nothing to do with the rest of the song. So what do you do with it? I don't know. Kind of strange. But the rest of the song, you know, from that 43 second point in, when it starts in with the piano, um, really kicks in, gets really good, um, great feel to it. Um, again, uh, the message is not for me. But the sound of the vocal, like the vocal line, the melody of it all, the performance of it, absolutely Ken Hensley, absolutely fantastic. Uh, great musical direction on this one. So um, I would still give this song a thumbs up, despite my feeling for the, the, the opening section of it. Uh, still a pretty cool song. So that brings us to song number nine, Win or Lose. Maybe I should do all my intros with like a little clip of Camille Vasquez. this song is kind of a combination of rock and roll, Southern rock and country. It's, it's very interesting, but we've got uh, one of our other singers back, the guy that um, don't really care for it. And I think, I think I know, I think, I think I know what he reminds me of. And I want to say it's foreigner. I want to say foreigner. That's what comes to mind. As I always say, I could be wrong. I always leave room for that possibility. Uh, but Foreigner comes to mind. So uh, in any case, though, um, not really my style. And he's just kind of, he's a little more straightforward on this song than he was the last song. But he still does that, like grinds on one note and then and, and comes out of it. And it's just disconnected and doesn't really fit. Um, but musically, like this song moves, you know, it's got some good parts to it. A very good mix on this one. Uh, I love the recording of the guitar. It's so crystal clear and it sounds like a, a, the full body of the guitar, you know, not just that they're getting the sound from the pickups. You really feel the full body of it. 
And that makes a huge difference in a piece like this. If the guitar sounds too thin, um, the whole song kind of collapses. But uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I would listen to it again. I, I think I could I could get into the music enough to be able to get past the vocals. And, and the vocals aren't that bad on this one. Like I said, there's just little places here and there where I, I think they're kind of um, not my taste, I'll say. I don't want to be mean. Um, I think he's a good singer. It's just not my style for the same reason that that I didn't like, um, like I said, some of the John Sloman stuff with Uriah Heep. But um, yeah, it's it's a good group. It's It's got a good feel to it. So that was Win or Lose. Now we're going to go to song number 10, which is called The Cost of Loving Me. And boy, if my ex would have told me what that was before we got together, it would have been a whole different world. This song, I really dig. Um, I, I love the mood of it. I love the patience of this section of it. It does kick in, you know, the the layer, the staggered introduction of different instruments, uh, again, with the drums and everything, which which has been very common on this album. I haven't really talked about it, but it's, it's like there's a formula to the way a lot of the songs have shown up on this album. Uh, long instrumental intro or with vocal, and then, you know, we'll have an introduction of the drums and then we'll have the actual drum kit start in, you know, sometimes it's toms or, or just like a couple snare hits and a hi-hat. Um, and then the full kit comes in. So it's like, you know, this typical staggered musical entrance of, of different instruments, um, which, you know, you can do that on a song, maybe two on an album and it's okay. You start doing it on most of the songs and it gets kind of annoying. But again, this isn't my genre. I don't listen to gospel type music, so that this might be very common for that. I don't want to shortchange it by any means. Not my wheelhouse. Um, but this song actually is, is really good. When it kicks in, it kicks in great. There's a really nice guitar on here. I like the sound of it on this song much better than the other songs. I'm detecting just a slight touch of flange in it. Nothing where you go, oh, wow, there's a lot of flange on this guitar. It's very subtle, um, but it plays nicely into the song. I think it's got a great vocal. I think the best vocal on the album so far. Uh, I really like this one. So I would say uh, for me, thumbs up, two thumbs up, however many thumbs I have, two. Yeah, two. We'll go with two. Two thumbs up for this song. And that is the cost of loving me. All your thumbs. Now we're going to go to the two songs that the notes refer to, by the way. And I have to, I have to step back. Because the notes that I have actually take CD number two and CD number three and run them together. So um, where I talked about Ken um, considering himself as a storyteller with the tempo and the rhythm and the production should combine to accompany the lyrical message, which we have touched on quite a bit on this one. Um, that was actually a quote from him regarding the uh, the CD that we're going to get to tomorrow, CD number three, Running Blind. 
So uh, remember that for tomorrow. I'll probably mention it again. But for now, uh, the two songs that were mentioned um, in his examination of faith were our last two songs on the album. Uh, this one is called The Return. I really dig this one too. Uh, this is very much, uh, much more of a Ken Hensley song to me. Uh, great vocals. I love towards the end and in the chorus when he does the uh, backing vocals, they really feel like they're in, in uh, distant from the lead vocal instead of supporting them. They also, they almost seem like they're watching the lead vocalist on TV and they're singing along in the living room of a different house. And I love that sound. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, again, you know, layered instruments, but I, I think that um, this song has a really good feel to it. Great vocal from Ken really makes the song for me. I also love that hanging string at the beginning, the one that opens the song and how it just hangs there for a while. I'm a big fan of that. It's suspenseful. It's emotional. It's a big question mark of where is this going? And I think it works beautifully in this song. So uh, yeah, thumbs up for this one. Uh, definitely. I think it's a really good song and well worth a listen to the whole thing. I'm not going to play it here for you though. I'm just not. You got to get the album. So get that or get this lovely six CD box set, which is fantastic. The links, by the way, are in the show notes because that's where I always put them. You could just click right on them and go buy the CDs anywhere. Uh, there's the link to the Cherry Red Records site. There is the link to Amazon and there is the link to the iTunes download as well. Um, now, Cherry Red Records is in Europe. So if you're in America, it's going to take a little while to get to you. However, they will get it to you. I promise you that. They're really cool people. I've enjoyed working with them. Uh, worked with them also when I worked on um, my review for Ken's last CD and Lee Kerslake's uh, CD as well. Uh, really fun people, uh, very nice and thoughtful. So we'll, we'll be doing more with them as time goes on. But for now, let's get to our last song on the album. Uh, boy, if this, if this title doesn't say it all, The Joy of Knowing Jesus. Oh, 
I was loving this song. I promise you, I was really loving this song. And then towards the end, well, the guitar solo is a little too quiet. And and I I had meant to comment on that on a couple of songs, I think, and and just forgotten. But it's it's like it's just below the rest of the music in the guitar solo, like the vocals should be above the rest of the music because that should be the featured uh, predominant thing going on, and everything else should support vocals and solos. Uh, not the case on this album. Uh, so I'm, I'm up and down on the mix. There's some songs that have sounded great. Some songs that have sounded okay. Uh, other than that, I think the mix on this is fantastic. Here's where it lost me. I, I, I love the, the country feel to it. I think that's great. It's kind of that modern country where it's kind of rock and roll, kind of pop, kind of country, uh, all merged into one, but the steel guitar kind of pushes it towards the country side of things. Uh, really good song until towards the end they they break the music down and they go into a clapping part and all i'm picturing is this band at a church at the pulpit is that what they call it the pulpit i think isn't that where the guy does his sermon the pulpit um and they're just like standing there clapping and trying to get the audience to clap along with them but it's not like when you do that at a rock concert it's just a whole different vibe uh, and so to do that in a recording studio and and have that be on the album just lost me. Uh, I think that it's cool that they saved it for the last song, though, because that's when you would be getting the crowd on your feet is towards the end of a show. Last song before the encore or during the encore, you know, that kind of timing for a rock band is when you get them to sing along or when you get them on their feet or do something to to kind of give them a little more energy because they're tired from all the music and everything that they've heard. So I, I get the placement of it on the album if you had to do it. My point is, you didn't have to do it. Stop it. Don't do that. But again, if this is going to be considered a gospel-style album, that's probably very normal. And I can't bitch and moan about it because it does fit the genre. It does fit that, you know, that feeling if this were to be performed at a church uh, or songs or selections from this album would be performed at a church, it probably fits beautifully. So I don't want to knock it just because it's not my genre. I can say I don't like hearing that in a song. It's fine in a live setting. I think it's it's very appropriate in a live setting. But to have recorded it, I have to draw the line there. I don't care what the genre is for my own personal taste. Uh, but if you're somebody who listens to gospel music, if you like that kind of stuff, um, this may be very normal. I don't know. So I don't want to bash it. Like I said, I can only say from my musical taste, from my experience as a as someone who writes and produces music, what I like and don't like, what I would do and I wouldn't do. Um, and since this isn't my wheelhouse, I really can't speak with that authority for this kind of style. I would never uh, accept a job producing a gospel album because it's just not something I know enough about to be able to make it work. But I can say from a musical standpoint, some of these songs were a little bit too long. Um, some of them were a little too straightforward and not as interesting because they didn't have enough changes in them or something to, you know, really make them interesting. Um, like one more part added would have done it. And some of them might've only had a couple parts to the whole song and these long disconnected intros. Um, so overall, I would say there's, there's some good stuff on here. Uh, on the whole, the album really doesn't work for me. It's not one that I would be like, wow, I've really got to hear a glimpse of glory. I've been itching to hear it. Got to check it out today. Um, probably wouldn't be as much on my radar. I highly expect that tomorrow when we listen to CD number three, 
Uh, we'll be back into Ken Hensleyville. I don't know anything about the album yet, so we'll find out tomorrow. But uh, I would I would imagine that we'll be back into the world that we're more familiar with with Ken Hensley. But for this, for it being a Ken Hensley Visible Faith uh, production, um, it is as it is for that style of music. And I know that Ken was very passionate about it. Um, knowing what he can write and knowing what these songs are, and I don't know how much, I, I would imagine he would have been the go-to authority uh, for this album, but I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe that wasn't the case. He, he didn't sing all the songs, which I found interesting. Didn't really like one of the other singers. I'm going to guess that that was two different guys. Um, I think it was two different guys, but the the one guy um, just was not a big fan of his his style. I think his voice was good. I didn't really like the way he was using it. So um, overall, yeah, it's got some good points on it. I mean, there's there's some songs I would definitely listen to again. The album on a whole wasn't for me, but that's, you know, that's quite okay. Maybe it's for you. Maybe you guys like some of these songs more than I did. I hope so. I definitely hope so, because this kind of music has an audience. I'm just not one that would go to that show. So let's wrap that up for today. How about we do that? Yeah, let's do that. We'll be back tomorrow tomorrow because we're doing every day guys every day i've got a show coming out covering a different cd from this wonderful box set available from cherry red records check out the links in the show notes don't listen to what i said about today's cd go buy the whole damn thing anyway it's it's uh, as we learned on uh day one it's got some great stuff on it if you like this stuff you like the whole package even more we got four cds to go we'll get there tomorrow have a great day guys cheers <laughs>